Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, week two in a message series called Faith Matters. And if you were here last week, you heard us talking about how faith, faith is about believing in something that you haven't yet seen, putting your belief in something that has not been empirically proven to you yet. And of course, being in church, uh, we attach the idea of faith to God and to supernatural things, but you employ faith every day in your ordinary world, right? You had faith this morning that your car was going to get you here. Hopefully, it did. Obviously, it did. If you weren't, you'd be... Oh, never mind. Okay, so you had, you had faith in your car. You can have faith in a person, right? Hey, I believe this person is going to get through the difficulty they're facing. I believe this person is going to get... I believe in you. That's a really encouraging thing to hear. I believe in you. You're going to get through this. I'm behind you. I got you, you know? You believe in a person that they'll get through their difficulties. You believe this investment is going to pay off. You believe your sports team is going to make it to the playoffs. These are places where you have faith. You have faith in these things. You haven't yet seen it, but you're believing it's going to happen. So faith is actually employed every day in lots of different ways. And obviously, when it comes to God, it's a similar thing. People have a tolerance when it comes to, to risk in general. In investments, that's the first thing that comes to mind for probably a lot of you. But in general, people have a different you know, kind of tolerance for, for, for change and, and risk and danger. And the truth is... If we're being honest, when we talk about faith, it's best to just put this right up front. Faith involves risk. Anytime you have faith, there's risk involved. Every time, anytime you exercise faith, it involves the chance that you might be disappointed. Sometimes you believe in that person and they don't get through that difficult situation. And they're not able to fight off that sickness and the, the investment doesn't pay off, and your team doesn't make the playoffs, and whatever you are believing and having faith in <clears throat> kind of doesn't manifest itself. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen. And you are disappointed, and I am disappointed. And over life, we've all developed a bit of a, a thick skin for this. As the years have progressed, as you've grown older and matured in your life, You've come to a point where you're like, yeah, some of you are just, you kind of hunker down and, and faith is something you exercise less and less because you've been burned. So when a guy like me stands up on stage and says, just put your faith in God, put your faith in Jesus, there's something that comes up in you like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do that. I think if I do that, I might get hurt. There's a little voice inside of you that says, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot involved there. I'm not sure. And you can tell you can tell about your aversion to risk by how you behave when your family goes to a restaurant for dinner. Seriously, you can. How many of you, when your family decides to go to a certain restaurant for dinner, how many of you already know what you're having before you get to the restaurant? Because when you go to that restaurant, you always have that thing. How many of you guys are in that kind? Yeah, like half of you, most of you. Yeah, a lot of you. Oh yeah, no. When we, hey, family decided we're going to Red Lobster. Now, there's really only one reason in the world why anybody goes to Red Lobster. Why do people go to Red Lobster? The biscuits. Everybody knows this. 
Now, I don't know what's up at corporate at Red Lobster, but I'm telling you right now, if they ever quit making those Cheddar Bay Biscuits, it's lights out. That's, that, it's, that'll be it for them, right? You know this, I know this. But you go, when you go to Red Lobster, after you're done with your biscuits, you get a certain thing because that's what you get when you go to Red Lobster. Some of you, you go to Applebee's, you go to Friday's, wherever you go, your fine dining options, you know. Uh, if you're rolling big, maybe it's Cheesecake Factory, you know. Uh, you know what you get when you go to these places. Most of you have a set thing that you get. Others of you are like, well, I don't know. Let's see. Maybe they changed the menu. Oh, heaven forbid they changed the menu and took away the thing that you always get when you go there. <laughs> Lord forbid that happens. And I've seen this. Some of you guys, you will talk to your server as if they personally murdered your favorite meal. Like this pimple-faced kid who's taking your soda order works at corporate and they themselves have killed off your face. What do you mean they don't have the thing? You know, can they still make it? Some of you, that's where you are. Others of you, hey, they changed the menu. Let's see what's new. And then there's a very small portion of you, a very small special portion of you that are like, tell me about the specials. Tell me what's new. What can I only get today? What can I only have that's a limited time thing because I really want to try it, which is another way of saying, tell me what your restaurant is trying to get rid of so I can have that. Like that's, that's you. Sorry, there it is, right? So <clears throat> wherever you are, you have your risk aversion continuum. Some of you guys, I don't know. I'm not risking anything. I know it's a safe bet. I like the meal that I get. That's it. Others of you guys want to try new things. We all have, there's a spectrum when it comes to this. There's a continuum when it comes to faith tolerance and your willingness to step out. What we're going to do now is we're going to look at the scriptures and we're going to look at what I think, I mean, it's arguable, but pound for pound, I think this is the greatest act of faith I see in the whole Bible. Maybe. Yeah. So, so what we're going to dial into, here's what's happening in the context of the verses we're about to read. What's happening right before we get to these verses is an event in Jesus's ministry called the feeding of the 5,000. Now, if you're new to faith, new to church, there's a point at, towards the end of Jesus's life when he's, he's drawing hundreds, if not thousands of people. When he stops to teach, thousands of people are drawn to him. This is actually what got him killed. This is what got him executed. The temple guard, the religious establishment realized he's commanding thousands of people now. If he turns that crowd against us, we're done. He's got to go. He's got to be eliminated. That's kind of what happened behind the scenes with regard to Jesus's death. But for the moment, he's healing people. Signs and wonders are happening. Miraculous signs are happening. And thousands of people are gathering. And there's this one particular uh, place where Jesus is teaching. There's thousands of people there. And the apostles are like, we got to feed these people. Like we called this party and this is turning into Woodstock 99. <laughs> Have you seen these documentaries about these massive festivals where like they run out of water and the porta potties all break and there's like it's all a wreck and people are freaking out? The disciples are like, you know, all these people are here for us and we, we haven't made provisions for them and they're kind of feeling awkward. And Jesus goes, well, you feed them. And they're like, what do you mean we feed them? We don't have it, you know. And so make a long story medium length. What Jesus does is he takes... He takes a little kid's lunch. He takes like two, two or three pita breads and a couple of perch, like a couple of small fish. And he uses this little kid's lunch and feeds thousands of people. It's a miraculous day. It's amazing. And at the end of the day, after interacting with all these people, Jesus is exhausted and he has to go be alone with God. Now we could do a whole sermon on that. The fact that Jesus, Jesus, 
God incarnate, God's own son, needs to go be alone with the Father, which is to say, if Jesus needs to be alone with God, so do you and I, yes? yes. So we could do a whole sermon on that. I don't have time to do a whole sermon on that, but I can't just drive past it. It's too good of a teaching point, okay? You need to have time alone with God. Jesus takes time alone with God. He sends the disciples ahead of him on the lake, and here's what happens. Uh, this is Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. <clears throat> Immediately after this, this being the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. So Jesus goes by himself to pray. He finds a spot in the hills, which blows my mind. Like this is a, it's so, I don't know why my mind fixates sometimes on weird things, but it does. There's a place in the hills outside Jerusalem where Jesus stopped to pray. It was just a place where he went to be alone with his father. There's no map to it. There's no plaque. There's no tours there. There's just a random spot somewhere out in the hills of Jerusalem where Jesus stopped to pray to the Father. And that has nothing to do with the sermon. I just felt like talking about it because it's cool. All right, so he prays to God and then he comes down to the lake. These guys are way out in the middle of this body of water and it's bad, okay? The, the wind, it's not raining, but the wind is crazy. They're taking on water. They're pretty panicked. And several of these guys are commercial fishermen, which means this was not a small squall. This was a big deal, right? So they're, they're in trouble. And Jesus looks and he goes, all right, man, they're in trouble out there. You know, I, I don't really feel like walking all the way around the lake, so let me just go right across. He walks on the surface of the water towards them and they see a ghost. They see what seems like a ghost appearing to them in the outline. Remember, this isn't a big fishing trawler with floodlights. It's dark. You ever been somewhere where it was dark? I mean, dark with a capital D, dark out in the middle of nowhere, away from a city where you can't see nothing. It's dark. And they see an outline of a person walking towards them and they are freaked as you would have been too. It's a ghost. Jesus calms them, says, hey, it's me. Take a breath. It's all good. Now what happens next is where things get remarkable. This is what happens next. Then, this is verse 28, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yeah, sure, come, said Jesus. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. You thought Jesus was the only one to walk on the water. There were actually two people who did it. Peter was the second. So Jesus says, hey, it's me, I'm here. And then Peter, Peter decides he's going to do something wacky. He's going to do something crazy. He goes, he goes, okay, Jesus, if it's really you, invite me out there too, because I want to play too. I want to I come out there too. I mean, I want to walk on the water. I'll, I'll jump out of the boat. Let's go. To which 
every, I mean, what are the dynamics in the boat? What are the, what's happening with the other 11, his friends? Obviously, his friends, I mean, what would happen if you tried something like that with your buddies? Guys in the room, come on, talk to me about male dynamics. Every, every guy in that boat goes, dude, shut up. Come on, you're not getting out of the boat. Knock it real, really, Pete. You got to make this all about you. You got to be all. You got to be the hot shot. You know, you kind of, you kind of like to be Jesus's favorite anyway. You think you're gonna just, uh, just gonna jump? Yeah, right. Let's see this. This ought to be good. Peter's like, hold my beer. Out he goes. Done. <laughs> Peter jumps out of the boat. They probably didn't have beer on the boat. Don't email me. But they jump out. He jumps out, and he lands on the water, and walks. He begins to take steps to which the 11 guys who were just making fun of him all collectively go with one voice, shut up. What on earth? Whoa. And he starts taking steps and he's, he's doing it, man. The wind is blowing and the waves are crashing and he's, he's walking through it. He's jumped out of the boat and he's walking towards Jesus on the surface of the water. What happens next? I don't know, but I'm glad somebody wrote it down. Here it is. (laughs) But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, verse 30, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. I'm going to read that for you again. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Okay, so Peter is on the surface of the water, and it says in the scripture, he saw the wind and the waves and began to sink. He got scared. He saw the wind and the waves. So if he's looking at the wind and the waves, where is he not looking? At Jesus. So there's a whole other sermon in here about how if you look at Jesus, if you quit looking at Jesus, down you go. Like that's a whole other teaching point. If that's for you, off you go. That is your sermon. You may leave now. But for, for the rest of you who are thinking like, okay, like Peter, is, he takes his eyes off, eyes off of Jesus, he begins to sink, and then Jesus, it says, immediately grabs him and, and saves him, and then he says something that I think is really not cool. I'm sorry, but I just don't think this is cool. Like, I'm, are there parts of the Bible that confuse you? Am I the only one? You should preach then, maybe. Because there's parts of the Bible that confuse me, and this one does. Like someday when I get to heaven, maybe I'll talk to Jesus, and maybe he and I will take a walk, and I'll say, Jesus, don't you think you were a little rough on Peter? Because he says, why do you have so little faith? And I'm like, dude, the guy just jumped out of the boat in the middle of a storm and walked on the water. What else do you want from, I mean, come on, nobody else had the courage to do that. Peter did something that like no other human being has ever done. And Jesus goes, why do you have so little faith? So I'm like, that, that part confuses me a little bit. And something else I observed about the timeline of these events. Did you notice when the wind and the waves stopped? When, do the, when, when does the wind die down? When does the water calm itself? When the two of them get into the boat, yes? Once they get in the boat, the wind and the waves stopped. All the 12, everybody in the boat is just staring at Jesus like, 
I mean, we, we kind of knew. We, we knew. But now we know. You're him. You're the Messiah. You're God's incarnate son. That is where the wind and the waves stop. Why do the wind and the waves stop? Because Jesus stops them. He's in control of this. Yes? Jesus is in control. Wind and waves stop. He stops them. Did you notice that Jesus does not stop the wind and the waves when Peter steps onto the water? He doesn't. He doesn't stop the wind and the waves when Peter stepped over. And he could have. He might have. That would have been cool. Would have been nice. Jesus, the scriptures would have been written differently. Would have been a nice moment. Jesus looks at Peter and says, oh, look, he's adorable. Look, he's stepping out of the boat. Oh, my little bird is leaving the nest, my little fledgling Peter. Let's calm the wind and the waves. And then at that moment, the wind died down and the sea became as glass. And Peter walked towards Jesus and they exchanged a mighty fist bumpeth. And it was beautiful. It would have been great. Come on. If you were Jesus, wouldn't you have done that? You said, okay, oh, Peter's on the water. Let's calm the wind and the waves. Let's make it easy. He'll walk towards me. And that, that is not what happened. And it's not what's going to happen for you. The storms don't just go away the minute you trust Jesus. When you step out in faith, it's not the end of, of, of all the storms. In, fa- in fact, I wonder if Jesus cranked it up a little bit. I wonder if Jesus didn't be like, oh, okay, Pete, you want to play? Let's go. You want to you run with the big dogs, Petey? Here we go. Let's, let's see what you do with this. Maybe he did. doesn't say that he did that, but maybe he did. He certainly didn't take that moment to calm the wind and the waves. He calms the wind and the waves when they get back in the boat, which means he left Peter in the storm even after he had had faith, which is to say it works the same way for us. Yes, it works the same way for you. And it'd be so much easier to preach the other way. This would be so much more fun to preach if I could just say, hey, you know what? Just trust Jesus, step out in faith, and the minute your foot touches the water, all of the storms of your life will calm down and quiet down, and that would be awesome. But that's not how it works. Sometimes following Jesus is hard, and sometimes following Jesus makes life harder. And there's probably a couple of you in here going, oh, don't say things like that. People aren't going to believe. I'd rather have you believe knowing the truth. I'd rather fewer people come to faith and then not be disillusioned later. I'd rather fewer people come in under some false pretext not, not and believe, you know, and, 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 then, and then later walk away because they got disappointed because they got sold a bill of goods that sounds great coming off the tongue, that sounds great, it preaches well and it preaches easy, but doesn't match up with real life. You know and I know that in real life, sometimes you put your faith in Jesus and things get worse. You've heard it, you've seen it, right? That's real talk. So what are we called to? We're called to step out. Some of you guys don't want that. You, the risk averse among us, those who have been burned, and I get it. I'm not trying to throw shade. I understand. Like, if that's you, the storm is going crazy, and you're, you're in the bottom of the boat, and you're in the fetal position, like, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to know about it. Don't talk to me about it. Make it go away. Make it go away. You're down there with your phone. You're on your phone. It's quiet in here because that's everybody. You're on your phone, right? 
I don't have to know. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to know about it. I'm going to forget about it. I need Novocaine. I need a numbing agent. I'm going to forget about the problem. I'm going to forget about the issue. And you know what's great for that? TikTok. Perfect. Instagram, Facebook. Am I in your kitchen yet? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, a video, something quick. I'll just, I'll just forget about what's wrong with my life. I'll forget about the problem. I'll forget about that issue I need to deal with. I'll forget about my, my dramatic and demonstrable lack of faith in this moment. And I'll just watch videos until, until the storm goes away. They always do. So I'll just stay down, hunker down in the boat. A couple of other people are like, well, let me just check and see what's going on. Maybe there's something for me to do in the middle of this. Maybe I should be doing something. Maybe I should be talking to God in this. And then there's a small number of people. It says the way is narrow. The number is few. There's a small number of people who are like, I'm, I'm going to jump out the boat. I think the boat is a trap. I actually think I'm safer on the water with Jesus than I am in the boat without him. So I'm going to jump out and see what happens. I'm going to trust him. Step out in faith. It's counterintuitive. It's wacky. And when you do this, there'll always be somebody there to make fun of you. Have you noticed that in life? When you do this, there'll always be somebody there to make fun of you. Don't you think the apostles made fun of Peter after this? Oh, come on. What do you know about male friendship? What do you know about male interactions? Men in the room, if you have a group of friends, if one of you does something stupid, what happens? Do your male friends go, oh, that's okay, buddy. You'll do better next time. It'll be all right. Or do they make fun of you until you die? <laughs> your male friends make fun of you. This is what was always thus and always thus shall be among men. I guarantee you, when Peter, when Peter fell in the water, all those guys were like, bah! <laughs> and two nights later, I, I just, I don't, this is not in the Bible, but I'm sure it happened. Two nights later, they're at the campfire, it's nighttime, they're at the edge of the lake, they're talking, and John gets up and goes, God, hey guys, who am I? He walks two steps into the water and goes, Jesus, save me! <laughs> that, that absolutely happened! It had to have happened! Because I know about the dynamics of male friendship, and that was the case 2,000 years ago. I promise you, that sort of stuff went on. When you trust Jesus, when you step out of the boat, there will always be somebody there to make fun of you. There will always be somebody there to cut you down, to, to say something snide about, about you. Because your faith reminds them that they have none. Because your faith reminds them that they're still in the boat. So you, 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 you take a step and you, you, you do something radical. You believe in Jesus. You believe that he exists. You believe that he rose from the dead, that he was God's son, and that his death and resurrection happened in payment for your sin. So you trust him to take away your guilt. And so your eternity is secure. And that's wonderful. And for some of you, that's the step you're being called to take. And I hope you'll take it today. For others of you, you took that step and it wasn't the beginning of something, it was the end. You took that step and said, my eternity is secure. Down into the hold of the boat I go. I'll ride out the storms of life until I get my eternal reward. And you're no longer playing a part in the story that God gave you to play. So you're down in the boat, hunkered down, trying to entertain yourself to death so that you can just ride out the, the difficulties of life in distraction mode. And it's my hope for you. You who have been saved for a while, you who have been saved for a long time, will, will, will come to embrace the idea that you are safer outside the boat trusting Jesus than you are inside of it without him. And that you will, that you will, hold, hang on, that you will, I appreciate it, but 
that what God's called you to is something beautiful and glorious. And he's called you to obey him, to step out. And that might mean something with a relationship. It might mean something with a career. It might, as it does for so many, have to do with your finances. For those of you who have been trusting Jesus for a long time, our finances is usually the last place we'll, that will we'll yield to God. Trusting God with your finances, tithing, and that's Christianity 101. 10% of what comes in goes back out as an offering to God. You don't give it, you give it back. You honor God in this way. It's what you're called to do. It's so hard. It's so hard to step out of the boat. It's so hard to have faith. What if I need it? What if, what if, what if it gets worse? You're safer trusting Jesus and stepping onto the water than you are in the boat without him. You're safer by honoring God in this area of your life. God's calling you to obey him. He's calling you to step out in faith and do what he's calling you to do. I know. I know. I struggle with it too. I'm just like, I'm in the same boat as you. We're all in that boat together. It's stormy and it's difficult and sometimes he looks like a ghost. But he's invited you, inviting you into something spectacular, something glorious. It's my hope for myself and it's my hope for you that together we'll obey him and step over the side of the boat and do the thing he's calling us to do. May that be true in my life. May that be true in all of our lives. We're going to pick this right up here next week for part three of Faith Matters. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We do. And we are rattled by the storm. It's scary, and, 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 and the, the boat seems to be taking on water, and we're concerned and losing sleep over the idea that we, we might drown out here. Because what we're dealing with is dangerous. And there's so much risk involved. And here you are inviting us to do something counterintuitive, not to stay in the bottom of the hold of the boat, trusting it for our safety. You're calling us to step out onto the surface of the water to trust you for our safety. Father, we pray, give us courage and fill us with faith enough to obey that calling. May that be true in my life. May that be true in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.